Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome, Boils and Ghouls, children of all ages, Talking Terror fans, nationwide and worldwide. Once again, we're back. It's Talking Terror. As you know, every Wednesday we broadcast from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. We're here for your midweek slump woes. I am your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode. We're just going to be TCB, baby, taking care of business with my pick of the week, 2002's Bubba Hotep, directed by Don Coscarelli. We're going to be talking about that later on in the show. But first and foremost, I am joined by the bold and the beautiful. Look out. It's the Ghoul Geek Keith. Oh, how you doing today, everybody? What is going on? Oh, that hunk of hunk of burning love, you know. Just doing my thing, baby. Get ready to talk about this movie. It's me. I need a, a peanut butter and banana sandwich, and I'm going to uh, rub it all up and down against my body, and, and we're going to go from there and have a good old time. Then you're going to sell it on eBay for big bucks because the Google Geek doing it. That's going to raise a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know how it rolls. Okay. And as always, we are also joined by the monkey himself banging on his cage, fresh out of tapioca. <laughs> monkey, how the hell are you, friend? <laughs> hey there, my friends. This is your satanic simian, the mad monkey, broadcasting to you live from the drunken monkey rehabilitation clinic. I'm the master of the tapioca for the evening, and I'm here to kick off this <laughs> fun episode, guys. Oh, it's a new year. I'm glad to be on here, guys. I missed you, sick fuck. <laughs> we certainly missed you, too. Oh, we missed you, too, monkey. Good. Who's a good monkey? Who's a cheeky one? You are. You are. I'm a cheeky monkey. This week. I'm a cheeky monkey. You, yes. you know, before, I just want to say, all right, I feel this is very important to put on the table. And no, I just ahead. want to make sure, I just want to make sure that we're all 100% clear while you guys are all, like, sentimental because the monkey missed a show here. But I just want to be the first one to point out that uh, around these parts, around Talking Terror parts, we we take our attendance seriously and we expect nothing less than 100% around here. So for the monkey to to have missed one show last week, I really feel that it's inappropriate for you all to be celebrating his return because we should be expecting 100% attendance on these on these shows. Yeah, I'm glad you, know you what? You're, it, Doc. You're absolutely right. You're, you're absolutely right, Doc. You know what, monkey? You're fucked up, dude. I can't believe you didn't show up last week. God forbid you actually just take that two hours out of your weekly friggin' life to, to do this show. You know, as one, I'm just speaking as one who has a record of impeccable attendance. You know, that, that's, <laughs> that's where this is coming from, yeah. just so we're clear. The, the, the doc I mean, come on, dude. The, the doc makes it to at least two shows every six months, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> Yeah, but he does have international tours that he has to do over in Eastern Europe and Poland and stuff like that, you know, for yeah, all the fans of the, the, the demonic country. Yeah, he's you know, in Poland. 
Yeah, you know where they got statues of motherfuckers yeah. and stuff like that. Our, our fans just in because Norway the, and Uzbekistan, uh, you know, they 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 need to be they need to be having something to look forward to when they tune in. I know, absolutely. And when the do- and when the doc shows up in Europe and he's ready to be bu- bukakied on, the fucking fans are excited. Oh yeah. Yeah, I said Europe, when, not Asia, dude. What are you talking that, about? That's, that, that's <laughs> when he stands on top of a pyramid in ancient Inca garb, and thousands of naked women are throwing tiny little pickles at him. All right, why don't you get some original material and stop quoting from Real Genius? <laughs> <laughs> Called you out right away. Didn't even take I miss you, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you too, man. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> We are all back. Uh, very excited for it. Uh, before we kick it off the horror business, uh, horror news, rather, uh, one of the things I want to talk about first was the ghoul who's been looking into some bizarre cinema recently. Uh, two films, uh, <laughs> one of them being Sorceress and the other one being The Apple, uh, the Rift Tracks version. So I wanted you to, to kind of tell our audience, uh, first and foremost, about Sorceress, the Jim Wynorski movie, because this is fucking bizarre, and I really need to find out. Yeah, I... Uh... I don't know what the hell made me made me just feel like doing this, but for whatever purpose, I was just flipping through Amazon Prime, and again, I don't even know how it just came up in the feed. I wasn't searching for anything in particular. I don't know if it even came up in like the main search or if it came in as one of those like suggested because of this movie or what. But I looked at the cover art and it just had that deliciously cheesy 80s style like heavy metal just looking cover. But it was like a cartoon. So I'm like sitting there like okay is this movie a cartoon or not? So I turn it on and start it assuming I'm going to stop it within you know four or five minutes of the movie. And then I continued to watch the entire film. Um, I even watched it, like, you know, a second half time, um, just to, like, you know, it, it's going to join my, my ranks of go-to-sleep movies. But, you know, between the fucking goat boy running around, bleating like a sheep, and, and boobs everywhere, I mean, this is like your seriously cheesy 80s fantasy fair film up there with, like, Conan the Barbarian as far as cheese goes, except it's really bad, which is fantastic. I I absolutely adored this movie. It was so funny. It had me fucking dying the whole time. Monkey, I think it's right up your alley. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, now, as far as the you, Apple are, are goes... You, well, I just wanted to ask you, are you talking about the 1982 version of Sorcerers or the 1995 version? No, the nineteen ninety five version is a Skinamax style movie, from what I've read. Uh, uh, this is the nineteen eighty two version. Oh, okay. Which so a to- <laughs> totally different film. Which yes, had I found this movie, you know, in my teenage years, it would have easily been something that uh, that was very spankable too. So <laughs> you probably did it this time. <laughs> no, no, you know what, man? I just, I, I, I can't. The, the only stuff I can jo to these days that's old like that is like my, my stepdad's porn that, like, you know, like I have the DVDs of, and I can find easily enough on the websites that I peruse, and you know, and that's just because it harkens me back to the days when I was a kid and I'd steal his shit. Hell yeah, Kate Parker. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, Pri- what? Pri- private teacher? Oh, anti. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my stepmom. 
Got a okay, Parker. Yeah. Um, I, I've always wanted to. Jimmy, you have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> K. Parker. She's like a psychic now, apparently. I actually did some research into K. Parker and where she is. Apparently she's a psychic based out of California now. So she's come a long way. Oh, good old Taboo. So there's a hot <laughs> scene in Taboo 2 with her and fucking... Uh, uh, I, I want to call her, she was better known by her character name of Aunt Peg, but uh, I think her name was like Juliet Anderson or something like that. I think it was a threesome scene. The threesome scene on the massage table, man. Is a great yeah. Yep. Seen it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Classic. Classic 1980s form. I've seen it. I know it well. <laughs> Many times as a kid watching that. When I shouldn't have been. But uh, the other one. The By apple. kid, you mean last night. <laughs> yeah, well, that was two nights ago, yeah. Had to go to sleep somehow. I feel your pain there, man. I truly do. <laughs> so, what's the, so what's this other movie that you want to talk about as well? I mean, I, I was just chatting about it on the on the chat. You know, the king wants to to bring it up, man. But yeah, I was just flipping through riff tracks today, and because uh, of the channel that comes with my my television, and they put on this movie called The Apple. The Apple is what you would get if you took Roger Ebert's Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, and it decided to have a baby with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Except they decided oh. to abort the baby, and this is the movie that 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 child is. It is so horrific and terrible in so many great ways that it's yeah. I mean, I, I gotta try to track it down so that I can watch it without the guys talking over it. Um, I mean, the comedy was funny; it was spot on. But at the same time, I want to watch this movie just because it's so terrible. Yeah, it really is. When you said the apple, I knew exactly what you were talking about because I did watch it years ago, like 2014. And yeah, you have to find the real copy because it's just it's so fucking bizarre. Even without the com- uh, the comedy, you know, the riff tracks guys, like it's just so fucking off the wall. With the music numbers and the acting, <clears throat> one weird 1980 musical. Speaking of musicals, if you're talking about the riff tracks. Uh, I know this is not really in our genre direction, but I would strongly suggest looking into the Rip Tracks take on the 1980s classic of No Retreat, No Surrender. So uh, keep keep that in mind if you are fans of the Rip Tracks. I, I have absolutely watched that, and as a fan of No Retreat, No Surrender, I have to say that the Rip Tracks version of it did did it justice. But you know, I still have to say that as 1980s martial arts cheese, that movie is still still just so much fun to watch. Man, it's, it's, it's a bad Karate movie. Kid ripoff, dude, but it's so great. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so Doc, do you have anything you want to talk to us about uh, regarding horror news? Of course I do. There's a ton of things going on in the world of horror. I'm sure the, the three people listening are wrapped with attention uh, right now uh, to hear what we have to talk about. So first off, we wait. Hang on one second. We oh, will. We'll wrap down, please. We're holding our breath here. Okay. Man. Sorry. <laughs> so first Speaking off, of we all know. We all know that so Netflix has. <laughs> Uh, over the last few years, Movies. entered the fray uh, of horror with their uh, original content, 
their movies, their series, mm-hmm. um, and it, it appears it's possible that they're going to be doing some work with a legendary, iconic uh, horror property, uh, none other than Elvira, Mistress of the Dark herself. Okay. Uh, not only is El- uh, not only is Elvira talking about finally having an Elvira, Mistress of the Dark part to see the light of day, but she has uh, been saying that there is a version of her Elvira's movie Macabre uh, in the works with Netflix uh, that she hopefully will have more information about soon. Hmm. Okay. It looks good. So I don't know. I can't. I can't speak for you guys, but my as a young man, a, a big fan of Elvira, and if she's going to have a series on Netflix, I will be looking forward to, uh, you know, what kind of fun and what kind of stuff she'll be presenting to us here in 2018. Yeah. Now, do you, do you know? Do you have any idea what kind of series it is? Is it going to be her hosting again, or is it going to be um, just straight up com- comedic material? I think. Yeah. I think we lost the doc. Doc, step two feet to your left. (laughs) (laughs) Is he in the though? Well, speaking of Netflix, have either of you you guys tried this Bandersnatch thing yet? I have not yet. I know you did, so I wanted to get your perspective on that. I had a a co-worker who did it, and uh, Hmm. as you'll get into it, it took him three and a half hours to do it. Wow. Wow. I guess he went through everything with it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he he backtracked a lot. Like, him and his girlfriend were both doing multiple things. But, Ghoul, tell us about Banner's Match. I mean, you know, it's a uh, it's a, basically a movie version of a choose-your-own-adventure. Um, there have been interactive-type movies. I remember these on DVD. Um when DVD first came out, you know, like I know one of the like the biggest things that got when DVD first came to light that I was excited about was that they had Dragon's Lair on DVD. Oh um, hell so to yeah! To be able to play that arcade <laughs> game, which you know I never had a computer to play on or anything like that, uh, I was able to finally like you know enjoy Dragon's Lair for what it was. You just used and, your and remote control to go left, right, up, down, and that's it. Uh huh. And all of us made the same uh, four moves before it was game over for the rest of our lives. Uh, I do want to point out that, uh, you know, so so very lucky, uh, you know, one of my dearest friends, the late, great Evan Kaufman, uh, in his basement in Manalapan, he had a full Dragon Player video game cabinet in his basement. And I got oh, to uh, fantastic. spend countless hours uh, playing that game. But I'm sorry that my cloud dropped out. I just want to make sure that I'm correct. You guys are currently talking about Netflix's Bandersnatch. Is that correct? That's yep. correct. Yes, Snatch. Snatch. Cool giving his thoughts. Okay. I, just, I just love to say Snatch. Snatch. <laughs> well, we know, Snatch we know that. Love. <laughs> oh, anyway, though. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a choose-your-own-adventure. Uh, as, you, as you're going through this character's game design, uh, <laughs> I mean, everything centers around this one character who is developing a game for a game company. Think JP from Grandma's Boy. Um, that's nice. you kind of are, except not as weird. Um, it would be cooler if you, if you were. I you found it to be enjoyable. You know, me and the ghoul girl did it together, so we kind of, like, you know, we, we made decisions. Sometimes we'd split them. Sometimes, you know, I'd pick one, she'd pick the next. Uh, 
just like in those choose your own adventure novels, you know, sometimes you run into something that just it's game over, man. You know, whatever you did ends the story. It automatically kicks you back to a different decision in which, you know, you could try to go down that same path making decisions after that one, or you just make a whole nother decision and, and see where that one takes you. Uh, so we have to oh, go okay. through a couple different ways. It seems like, I don't know, somebody put up that, you know, I don't know, there's supposed to be so many fucking combinations of the story. But from what I can see, there looks like to be only X amount of endings for it, you know? And I feel like mm-hmm. the two endings I saw are probably the main two endings, you know? And I don't see how it pans out any other way. Okay. My my question for you about it because it is a a Black Mirror property, if I'm correct. Uh, Content-wise, and obviously no spoilers, but content-wise, like how dark and bizarre does it get in the context of the Black Mirror universe? It it feels like it's. I feel like the actual. The, the the premise of what you're doing is more in line with Black Mirror than the story. I mean, the story obviously feels like a Black Mirror story, but if I was to sit there and say, was it a strong one? Eh, no. I mean, it borrows a little from Cronenberg. You know, it borrows from other sci-fi tropes um, that we've seen in other films, which is fine. I mean, Black Mirror has done that as well. Um so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something within their realm, but I feel like the premise of it is more Black Mirror than the actual story is, you know, because Black Mirror is always about, you know, things that are happening in a future that always feels within arm's reach. Um, and this, you know, obviously is being touted as that kind of thing. It's an interactive film. How many times are you going to be able to play an interactive movie in your life? Right. Got it. So, yeah, you know, I was talking about Netflix just before with, uh, you know, the Elvira news, and the, I was going to kind of slide from there into, uh, you know, Netflix huge, doing huge, huge business with both uh, Black Mirror's Bandersnatch and Bird Box, um, of which I've not watched either. But, again, you know, Netflix, that's, you know, the whole point of what I was bringing up, seems to have really, and they have a lot more stuff on the horizon, but is really, uh, you know, kind of, put the pedal to the metal and gone all in, uh, you know, in the greater horror universe with their original content. Yeah. You well, know, they, they made advances. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to watch Bird Box. I have no interest. Just because of how high no. I was. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. Like, you know, just because of that. If I have to be forced to watch it for the show, I will. But otherwise, like Hereditary, I'm out. I'm good. Don't need to see it. You know, it's Why? Yeah. Right what, is for it? what is your reasoning for that? <laughs> What's that? Why, what is your reasoning that you don't want to watch it? Yeah, just have no interest, you know, because everybody's like, you have to watch it, dude. It's just like Hereditary. I'm like, I don't need to watch Hereditary. I'll watch it for the show, but don't really have any interest because of how hyped it is. I don't like movies that are overly hyped because when it happens like that, I end up being disappointed. Where I'm like, it's not that good. Really, just I know not the, worth the The, go- the ghoul girl and the little monster watched it. Um, okay. You know, I don't know. I didn't... They didn't come to me afterwards and say, oh, my God, it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Sam Sam enjoyed it, you know, but she also watched Venom today, and that has now replaced her favorite movie uh, of all time as, you know, which was Beetlejuice <laughs> prior and is now Venom instead. Um, so wow. as with 
as with any eight-year-old child, that changes, you know, with a fart. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just, just how that goes. But I have, I personally have been absolutely loving all of the fucking memes that are going around with Sandra oh, Bullock yeah. and, and that fucking that thing around her eyes. And I mean, my personal favorite at this point has got to be the one where somebody inserted the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and you see her there standing with them and it's just perfection. <laughs> I didn't see that one, but but I yeah. did read I did read some stories that there's some lunatics walking around in real life with their with their with their eyes bandaged up trying to navigate their way through the world and uh, you know people walking into walls and, and falling down and you know just basically acting like a bunch of idiots. <laughs> yeah, the Bird Box Challenge, where Netflix actually had to release a statement saying, "Don't be fucking idiots. Don't do the Bird Box Challenge. It's a good movie. Just don't do it. You should know." So, I see. I see plenty of millennials walking through life doing that without the blindfold. So you know what, guys, just just continue on your way. You're doing fine. Who? Oh, hot cake. A millennial. <laughs> Courtesy of the ghoul. <laughs> you just got served. Well, you know, another thing, and again, I haven't watched Bird Box yet, and, you know, I'm I'm so far behind on my list of things Box just to watch. Snatch. Like, I'm sure I'm sure I will get to it eventually. The same for Vanishnatch. And, you know, one of the things that I've heard, uh, you know, Bird Box described as would be if you all ever saw M. Night Shyamalan's uh, The Happening, uh, you know, they, they, I've heard Bird Box described as The Happening if, if it was actually a good, actually a good movie. Um, but with that being said, with M. Night Shyamalan, we're just a few days away from Glass, a little more than a week. Yes. Um, you know, uh, anticipation is high. Uh, some interesting news uh, from M. Night. Uh, he says that, uh, one, that The Horde, was originally written into the Unbreakable script, like the Horde was supposed to be a character in the original Unbreakable, um, but he kind of switched up the screenplay to focus more on the character development of David Dunn and his family, uh, and then mm-hmm. uh, has circled this back around. But what's interesting, what he was talking about, was that uh, he has said that, that this is it uh, for, for these characters mm-hmm. and for this series, that no matter how much money it makes, no matter what kind of a success it is, uh, that his vision for this, this story with these characters is told in these three movies and that he owns the rights to the characters in the movies specifically for the purpose of not making a sequel. So um, he also referenced he also referenced the Marvel Universe and, you know, what kind of manpower uh, it must go, must go into keeping a whole universe like that afloat with all of the interconnected storylines and characters and so on and so forth. So... Uh, as well, I've that's why there's people times, that do that for them. <laughs> no, yeah. of course. No, I, I understand that. And obviously, the I Marvel wish... Universe is a, is a much larger world than the, than the David Dunn, uh, Mr. Glass, and Horde world. But, but regardless, but it's also, it's also characters that have been of... established over decades. You know what I mean? That's so true. That's yeah. the other thing there. His ego needs to get the fuck out of his way, man. He really needs to stop <laughs> yeah. putting his foot in his own fucking mouth. How did you put it out there? Like, I don't feel Because here he's finally... Okay, did you see... Have you seen The Last Airbender? You know what I mean? Have no, I you haven't. Seen fucking after, have you seen After Earth? You know, like... Yeah, I'm right. Right. So okay. <laughs> after making Lady in the Water... And I've seen... And I've after seen making Lady in the so Water... Okay, so like as we watched him go fucking completely down the drain, then decides to take on properties that are not his... You know, and ruins the last Airbender. 
Then he goes and decides, you know, hey, I'm going to do a Will Smith project after Earth. That was a fucking load of shit. Right. You finally got your shit back together again with The Visit. Fine. That's That's a typical M. Night type of movie. Oh, yeah. Then you created, you know, what is the, the sequel to Unbreakable. You surprised everybody with that. That's fantastic. You want to make it a trilogy? Fine. You want to end it that way. But don't sit there now and be in interviews and be like, oh, well, I'm never going to allow anybody else to expound upon these stories. Nobody else can ever take these characters and do anything with it. All why, you're doing why, is cutting yourself the, why, off the and the create. Because you know what? Look how many other things have been done with extended universes and shit like that. Other people's creative vision. You're going to cut that all off when you've proven yourself to constantly fuck your own shit up. Right. So if he feels satisfied with with what he's produced for Glass, I mean, it's projected to make a fortune on the opening weekend alone because it had a $20 million budget and they're projecting between 50 and $70 million. If he wants to close the book on that, like, why should he leave it open for other people to take the plot? Yes, he ruined other people's property, but that doesn't mean he needs to leave his properties open for people to do the same, whether they make a quality product or not. Like, why does he have to have it available? Uh, why can't he have to say, this is my work, and I don't want anyone else to do that? I feel like that's no different than, than musicians or that create music and songs that don't want other people aping on their stuff. Like, I don't see Because here's for that what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. This movie's going to make a shit ton of money, right? And right? M. Night's going to take all that success. He's going to get all that, all that credit for making this fucking movie that's so good because it made so much money. And then he's going to start putting out the typical fucking M. Night shit that came out Maybe after so? he had success the last time. He's totally going to do it because that's what his fucking ego does. He yeah. has got more, too much more, fucking Maybe ego, he's... man. Maybe he's older and learned his lesson from his mom, and now he's back. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the future remains to be seen, but I feel that he totally has the right to say that I'm done with these characters, and, you know, that's the I'm end of the story. That, why I'm does not everything, saying he doesn't why does have everything the right have to, to be retold it. and revisited and rebooted? Like, why can't the story just be over? Who said anything about having to be revisited or rebooted? What I'm saying is you don't create a universe and then decide that, hey, I just want to shut it down when it's got potential to actually have great character, great story. And maybe he did have the great characters and the great story, and now the story's over. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, see. We'll <laughs> <laughs> I'm with the goal on this one. I got to admit, you know, I, I'm with him. You know, on, on why give up? You know, why stop? You know, I say, this is it. Now I'm going to fucking make a sequel to Science. How about that, everybody? Because I'm that guy. <laughs> you know? mm. Don't. Please don't. That's what we, we don't need. need it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mel Gibson's available. We'll do a sequel. What Swing away, Meryl. Swing away. <laughs> Meryl. It, 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 I'm sure in the sequel, he'll have Meryl get in a spaceship, fly to the fucking alien planet, and just when you think that it's going to be an action movie, instead it turns into a film in which he sits there and they have discussions for like, I don't know, two hours fucking straight that don't go to anything. That's like the second Matrix movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> it's actually accurate. Or, you know, the aliens are Nicolas Cage now. That's going to be the big twist at the end of the semester. It's actually Cage 1. Ah, but uh, but anyway, did you guys hear that Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be getting the Lifetime Achievement Award? I did uh, not hear that. Oh, no, that. you know what? Uh, I, did, I did see something about that today somewhere. But I didn't hear yeah, who was giving it to her or what the purpose was. 
Yeah, on February 22nd for the International Cinematographers Guild, she will be getting the Lifetime Achievement Award. Well, I think that's all awesome. you have it. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Jimmy Lee Curtis. I've admitted it many times, but hey, you know what? She's worked long enough. Give it to her. You said that you're not a yeah. fan of Jamie Lee Curtis? I'm not. For what reason? I just never really appreciated her acting. Never really okay. kind of got into it. Fair enough. I Have like the ever movie that it? she's in, but it's not her that I like the movies for. I don't like yeah, Halloween and Jamie Lee Curtis. I, I mean, you do like her train, so there's no counting for taste. Well, yeah, I like that movie, not for her. I like The Fog, not for her. You know, I like, you know, uh, True Lies because of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not for Jamie Lee Curtis. I, she's just never oh, struck me as a good actress. I like because it's Tom Arnold. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. But, you know, I, I've never really appreciated Jimmy Lee Curtis. I know a lot of people do. A lot of people love her. I just, you know, I'm, I'm good. You know, I like the movie that she's in because the actors that are in it make it a good movie. Like Trading Places, great movie. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, but I don't really think of it as a Jamie Lee Curtis movie. You know, it's an Eddie Murphy, you know, uh, Dan Aykroyd movie. I don't care. I still enjoy the, the hell out of looking at her in A Fish Called Wanda. Uh-huh. Say <laughs> what you want. I mean, I don't know. It's a hot take, but yeah. I just like, when you look back at the movies that she's in, it's always the people around her that are doing a better job than she is. At least that's what I've always thought. Wow, that's harsh. <laughs> well, I mean, Doc, you could disagree with me, but that's you know, the way I feel about it. No, that's I was just uh, making a final statement on what the king was saying. There, but what we said? No, I, and I think the king had some Bruce Campbell horror news as well. Oh, we'll get into that later before we get into the movie. Kind of okay. okay. Go ahead, Doc. Uh, you know, we all know that with the help of IFC. Um, Jennifer Kent had a smashing success uh, kind of globally with the Baba Duke a couple years mm-hmm. ago, uh, which she wrote and directed. Uh, and she has her uh, second feature uh, coming out this year, also going to be with the help of IFC. Um, also written and produced by her as well. I'm sorry, written and directed by her as well as produced this time. Uh, and that is going to be called The Nightingale. Uh, has anybody heard anything about this one? I have not. What's that about? No. So, sounds pretty interesting. Uh, maybe not so much straight-ahead horror um, as the Duke. But right. uh, this one takes place in uh, Tasmania in the 1820s. And in this... Mm-hmm. Uh, in this, yeah. we have a female... Character played by uh, an actress. Who, yeah, played by an actress who uh, has served time for seven years as like a work slave for this guy. And when her time is She's up, black. this guy uh, commits some kind of horrible, violent act against her family. And then mm-hmm. she has to, like, track him through the wilderness to uh, exact some type of revenge. Um, 
So this is more like thriller, suspense horror than straight-ahead horror, such as The Father Duke. But um, what they're talking about, uh, you know, as they said, just like The Father Duke, they're saying that, you know, this is going to give, uh, you know, people plenty to talk about. Um, you know, and I feel like it says, sounds pretty interesting because, you know, we can debate whether or not we like The Baba Duke, uh, but I felt that it was, was very strong at creating a really cool atmosphere with that. So I'm looking forward to seeing what she's going to do in a period piece in an 1820s Tasmania. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the ghoul and the monkey think about The Baba Duke. I didn't like it. <laughs> I, didn't, you know, I didn't get it. I didn't really feel well, like it was a great movie. It was another movie that everybody was talking about when it got released. Well, if you want to know our thoughts on it, you just got to go back and listen to the episode. That's true. We did an episode on it. Yeah, we we did. did. I just didn't think of the strong movie, but that's just my opinion. And then you could go back and listen to the episode to hear our full thoughts. Um, But, yeah. Uh, I mean, just on the description, I don't know. It it could be good, but at the same time, it's like the Baba Duke. I don't know if I'm going to really enjoy it. I don't know if I want to go back and listen for Ken. Sounds interesting to me. I'm looking forward to it. So, um, but we shall see. That'll be you know coming down the pipeline uh, sometime in 2019, uh, sometime in the summer of 2019. Okay. Well, you know, for fans of the Baba Duke and Jennifer Kent, you have that to look forward to. All right. So, what else do you have for us, Doc? Uh, you know, with the smashing success of Get Out, uh, you know, Jordan Peele all of a sudden is like, you know, one of the biggest names in horror, and we all know that his uh, next feature. Uh, is on the way. Uh, it's going to debut at the SWSS Film Festival March 8th. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to kick off the festival, um, you know, March 8th. Uh, the brief plot, I didn't get a chance to watch the trailer yet, uh, but the brief plot description that I saw was that uh, when suffering some kind of trauma, this family uh, returns to the family home of the matriarch, uh, where four masked strangers are going to descend upon the house uh, with masks, uh, to exact some type of uh, torture. Uh, but what's eerie sounding about this one is that when the masks come off, uh, each one of the people uh, is going to have the appearance of one of the different family members. Yeah. The trailer looks great mm-hmm. for us, uh, the movie. Um, I watched it recently, and I can't wait. Um, you know, it looks like it's going to be a fun movie. I mean, I love Get Out. I mean, I've told everybody. I love that movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Get, Out was, Get Out was fantastic. Yeah. So I can't wait to see Us when it comes out because I originally thought that it's going to be a home invasion movie. And then I saw the trailer, and like you had said, Doc, it's, you know, they have these masks on, but when they take them off, it's doppelgangers. Okay. Uh (laughs) Now it's different. Now I'm kind of in. So, yeah, sounds super interesting. Uh, Obviously, we know what kind of work appeal has going on with the upcoming Twilight Zone remake episode and everything. Uh, This will be uh, very curious to see. Uh, again, it's going to have its debut at the SWSX Film Festival. Um, and not only that, it's kicking off that festival. So uh, the excitement is high. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people are looking forward to it, including myself. So, uh, you know, one to keep our eyes on, keep our ears on. And, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking about it more as, as we get closer. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who have Shudder um, out there, I know I don't. I keep always saying I'm going to get Shudder, then I don't. But I actually might get it because I next do. month, uh, February 7th, and you have a cool, so you might want to check this out. There's a documentary being released next month, February 7th, called Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror. And it just focuses on African Americans in horror cinema. And not just the black exploitation films, 
like Blackenstein and Blackula, you know, uh, you know, Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde. It's actually focusing on African Americans and horror in general, including Get Out, including Candyman, uh, Night of the Living Dead, you know, where African Americans are in horror cinema. And interviewing a ton of people like Ken Faree, Ken Sago, Tony Todd, Jordan Peele. A ton of actors that have been the first victim. Well, not always the first victim. I mean, you know, but they do they do have a trailer out that you can check out on YouTube uh, where they do talk about that, how traditionally black actors have been the first victim in a lot of slasher films, but how, you know, it's important to look back on the history of, of black cinema, especially in the horror genre, how there is a, a genre for it, for, you know, blacks in this particular genre. So I cannot wait to check out this uh, documentary, you know, and see what they delve into. So if you have Shudder, it's February 7th. Check it out. I certainly will. Can't wait. All right, Doc, what else do you have for us? Uh, my final piece of th- final thing that I want to talk about, uh, if anybody's been paying attention, you should know that uh, Robert Zemeckis has had a, a rough go of it recently uh, with yeah. his Welcome to Marwin uh, being an absolute disaster. Not only did it take a beating financially uh, and lose a shit ton of money, uh, mm-hmm. but also... Uh, you know, it's or it's being talked about as the worst movie of 2018. Um, you know, Robert Zemeckis. I mean, the guy the guy directed Forrest Gump for crying out loud. Uh, the guy makes movies that make money, and this time it was a, a massive failure. But uh, one of the projects that uh, he has coming up next, where they're looking for some rebound, is he's going to be uh, bringing to the big screen a film version of Roald Dahl's classic story, The Witches. Um, but okay. he's going to be up. He's going to be updating the story. Uh, and having it take place uh, in the Gothic South in the 1960s. So um, I think that's kind of interesting because the Gothic South uh, is something that I find, uh, you know, particularly to be particularly scary. And uh, I'm curious to see see how that comes along. So that's what's up next uh, for Robert Zemeckis. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm a huge fan of The Witches, the original film that came out in the 90s. Uh, but to hear that it's going to get a kind of reimagining to take place in the 1960s in the Gothic South, yeah, I'm kind of on board. And I think that Robert Zemeckis needs a kind of rebound from Welcome to Marwin. Uh, <laughs> as far as it being the worst of 2018, I think there's people on our Facebook page who will disagree and say that Hereditary was. I don't think you agree. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen it. I just didn't care for it. But, yeah, it's a shame. Because Robert Zemeckis, you know, is, is a you know, namesake in Hollywood. So for him to have a flop like that, you know, hopefully he could rebound with something like The Witches. I mean, what do you guys right. think, Golden Monkey? I mean, I enjoyed The Witches, um, Angelica Houston. I mean, it was just a, a creepy flick, um, mm-hmm. especially when, you, when you, you looked at when it was released and the age group that it was uh, – you know, promoted to and everything. Like, I, I was a little bit older than who that movie was targeting, and yet I found, you know, portions of that movie just to kind of be fucking frightening. So I can only imagine what, like, younger kids who had watched it um, thought about it. You know, I know my uh, my sisters probably were within that age range, but I was at an age where I could have cared less what the fuck they were watching or what their reactions were to anything. Um you know, if I was to be perfectly honest, uh, still, still kind of in that 
the same exact place. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, as far as the the Welcome to Morrowind thing goes, I just I find it interesting. I mean, I saw the trailers for it. No, not, nothing about the movie generated any real interest for me for right. it. But I do know that I guess it's either based on a true story or loosely tied to a true story. So it kind of really shocks me that, like, you know, if you're if you're taking something like that and you're putting it in film form for it to really flop so bad that this is getting fucking worst of 2018 talk. I mean, is it the performances? Is it the, the design? Like, what is it about the film that people are just not not feeling? Yeah, I really don't know. You know, I saw once, I feel like I saw a coming attraction for it somewhere along the line and thought that maybe it sounded a little bit interesting or looked a little interesting, but yeah. it's not something that I kind of followed up on or kind of stayed with. Um, but, uh, you know, um, it's a disaster at the box office. It's a shame, yeah, because the trailers didn't look bad. I mean, I remember the trailers coming out, and I'm like, it doesn't look bad. I mean, this is something I would probably rent you know, on, on Redbox or on demand, not go to the theater to see it, but it didn't look terrible. I wasn't thinking, man, this movie looks like shit. Right. Like, I would give it money. Like, I would definitely rent it. Like, you know, I wouldn't mind it, but, yeah, it's not a movie that I would want to spend money on in the theater. You know, it's funny. Watching the trailer for it, it reminded me, I forget the name of the damn movie, but it was like a black comedy. Um, mm. had Zach Galifianakis in it. And Steve Carell, he made, like, uh, oh, like sets. Yes, 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 yes. He made those fucking, those, those like, dead mouse mobiles or whatever, man. Like, that, yeah, that's kind of, like, the first thing that like, came into my head for it, man. And that was a fun movie. I liked it, yeah. I was a fan of Dinner for Schmucks when it came out. I actually saw that in the theater when it came out. What so, movie? It's a good movie. It's a fun little comedy, but, uh. So, yeah, for, for that to fail as it did, it's a shame. But, uh, Monkey, what do you think about the witches being updated uh, in a way, of, of a new version taking place in the 60s, Gothic South? Well, see, I, I was in the same boat as the ghoul where I was a little bit out of the bracket. And at the time, I, um, the girlfriend I was dating at the time in high school, her little sister was all about the movie, was watching it all the time, every time. It would come on uh, Nickelodeon and stuff, and yeah, same thing. Is it would totally freak me out because these kids were digging it, and the, the you know, it was kind of throwing me off because it's like all, all the stuff about the toes, and they don't have toes, and you know, when I chop them up and eat the kid and stuff like that, I was like, wow, this is actually some pretty heavy horror for little kids. Yeah. But, you know, the the fact that they want to do a reimagining, I'm curious, are they still going to try and keep it as a family movie, or are they going to try and bump this up a little bit for the people that grew up watching it, and it's going to be a more adult version for the original fans of the original film? I think that J.O. took blonde in that movie. <laughs> did you? I think I did. Before she took her <laughs> wig off and all that shit and got all freaky looking. <laughs> That's what I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I know that because I was reading on it as the doc was talking about it, and he's, uh, Robert Zemeckis said he wants to stick more closely to the Roald Dahl book, The Witches, which is a dark book in and of itself. And that's the other thing about Roald Dahl is that he wrote really dark books, but the films were made for children, which I always really appreciated because he made these really wicked books about kids dying, decapitated, and killed, 
And then they turn it into a movie, and it's like, oh, well, it's a family-friendly film. You know, Charles <laughs> James and John Peach. <laughs> yeah, know? you know, I... I like I said, like I, I well I didn't say this, but I do I do hope that he sticks with a darker tone. Um and I'm I'm a fan of this updating it to the Gothic South because I, I might have brought this up on the show, but I've been to the South a couple of times. Uh and one time to the South in particular I was in Natchez, Mississippi. I was driving cross country, uh, by myself and I needed to get some ice for my cooler and I stopped into this little tiny uh, convenience slash deli kind of store uh, to get a bag of ice. And I walked in and there was nobody in there but the lady behind the counter. And then like in the little little eating area in the dining room at this table, there were like four old women like playing cards and uh, like all like dressed very Southern proper and like hair and makeup, the whole thing. Uh, I don't even have like a, like an image of a of a woman to kind of give a comparison for. I'd have to kind of look for one. But as I was walking out of the store, I happened to look. I might have said this in the show long ago, but as I was walking out of the store, uh, I happened to look in the direction of the table, and woman one of the women just looked at me and smiled, and it was the scariest thing that has ever happened to me. I mean, I feel like I saw that I felt like I was being smiled at by the devil. There was something that was just so terrifying and evil. Like I felt <laughs> through my blood. Um, the 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 way her smile, like the way she looked up and like slowly smiled, like between her whole look, her hair, her makeup, the lines in her face. I mean, I I I I swear. I I mean, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. And I got the fuck out of there as fast as I could. And was truly, truly scared. Truly scared in my inner being. It's one of the freakiest things that has ever happened to me. Um, <laughs> the Gothic South, man. There, there, there's some scary, some scary, scary uh, in there. So uh, that'll be, I feel like that's a cool place to take the story. Yeah, excellent. Uh, so as a segue into what we're going to be talking about tonight for the movie, Boba Hotep, uh, recently, news came out that Travel Channel is bringing back Ripley's Believe It or Not. That was a series back in the 90s. It was hosted by Dean Cain. In the 80s, it was hosted by Jack Palance. But now they are bringing on Bruce the Chin Campbell to host Ripley's Believe It or Not. Uh, so I wanted to get uh, your guys' thoughts on him as a host. But also, I like Ripley's Believe It or Not. I always liked it back in the 90s, back in the 80s. I used to watch it. It was kind of cool seeing all these oddities and, and world records that they're breaking. Do uh, you think now is the time to bring a show like that back? This is kind of yeah, like you know, I'm going to jump right in on this one. I, in the 80s, definitely was a fan of watching Ripley's Believe It or Not. I might have mm-hmm. seen an episode or so of the Dean Kane version, but it was something was not something that I watched regularly. And one time, I don't remember where, it might have been in Memphis, it might have been in New Orleans, uh, but those cities, they all have their Ripley's Believe It or Not museums. Uh, but mm-hmm. I got a chance to visit one of the museums one time, and it was pretty cool. And uh, when I was a kid in elementary school in the library, they had a bunch of Ripley's Believe It or Not books uh, that I used to I used to try and read all the time when I could. And, uh, you know, I was a big fan of Ripley's Believe It or Not, but as far as, uh, you know, Bruce Campbell hosting uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, I'm pretty certain that I can say that it's probably something that I'm not going to see when I'm sort of. Wow. Okay. Well, it's just, you know, I just, you know, like, I think it's cool that, that he's hosting it, but I just, and it, for no other reason other than that I don't really watch TV, you know? Like it's just yeah, not, that's true. There's a million shows that I want to watch. I'm not a watcher of television. I'm not a watcher of series. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I watch The Walking Dead and I watch hockey, and, you know, that's about the extent of it. Um, and, yes, I watch mm-hmm. movies, and, yeah, there are some things that I watch, but, like, I'm not a watcher of TV. Uh, I probably won't even know when it's on or where to watch it, and I'm not going to look for it. And to be honest, with the quality, the amount of quality television that's out there and the amount of shows out there that I know I would absolutely love, there's probably 10,000 other things I would get to before that if I was going to be like, oh, I'm going to become a watcher of television. Uh, but I wish him yeah. well. Uh, I think it's a great idea for him to host it, and I'm glad they're bringing it back. Um, and you know what, maybe I'll end up checking out an episode, but I, I can't make any problems. Okay. All right. So, uh, you know, what do you think about Bruce Campbell taking over hosting duties for Ripley's? No, I think it's a good. Uh, I think it's a good fit for him. Um, I personally prefer Campbell in small doses. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I feel like something like that works to his strengths. Uh, I, you know, similar to the doc, it might not be something I'm going to seek out or watch every week, but, you know, as a fan of Ripley's Believe It or Not, when I was a kid, as a fan still mm-hmm. with the books, um, Samantha actually every year when they have the, the book fair at school, she always comes home mm-hmm. with whatever the latest edition is of it. Um, and like, you know, the Guinness Book of World Records and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it might just be something fun for all of us to be able to get together and watch for a half hour, hour, whatever it is. Some some family entertainment. Sure. All right. Monkey, what do you think? Um, I, 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 growing up in the 80s, I was a huge fan of the Jack Palance one. I had a lot mm-hmm. of fun with it. Um, I couldn't really get into the Dean Cain one just because Dean Cain did such a horrible job as host. Uh, he really did. <laughs> I, I tried. I tried to watch like five episodes, and it just he just didn't deliver like Jack Jones did back in the day. You know, with the way he would pause when he spoke, and you know, just his whispering voice. Um, but I do know that this show is scheduled for ten episodes on okay. the Travel Channel. And it, and the series the series is going to be filmed at their their main headquarters, the big big one that they have, big uh, museum that they have in Orlando, Florida. So, cool. Yeah, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm excited about this just because I think this is something that is definitely right up his alley, and I think he could do a really good job as host. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, and if you guys ever have time, I know that, you know, we have work and we have other things to get in the way. But if you're ever looking for something to watch, go on to YouTube and type in Last Fan Standing. Uh, it's a Bruce Campbell-hosted game show where he goes to conventions and he hosts the game show with three participants kind of being quizzed on nerd culture. You know, everything from Star Wars to horror. I feel like I've fantasy. seen that. That sounds familiar to me. Yeah. It, it, I'm sure you probably have because it's, it's available in short bursts on uh, YouTube. But he shows that he's capable of being a game show host. I felt like if, if Bruce Campbell ever decided to quit acting, he should just be a game show host. Because like, he has that personality where he could definitely be a game show host of some kind. And I've always appreciated Last Fan Standing because it's so fun. And Bruce makes it fun. So that's why I'm looking forward to Ripley's. I think he's going to add his personality to it. And the stories is, are just going to sell the show itself. Yeah, I, I agree. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe after Ripley's, he'll become a game show host. Um, so, yeah, that was. Wait, what, my what is he going to become after Ripley's? Uh, game show host, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? You know, Bruce is Bruce. 
he will do whatever Bruce does because that's what he does. You know, he is living happily in Oregon, you know, and not caring about Hollywood at all. You know, especially after Ash versus Evil Dead, you know, he's fine. You know, Bruce is always going to be fine. He's always going to find his way back. Um, But that does lead into the pick for tonight, which is my pick, Bubba Hotep, which was filmed in 2002, didn't come out until 2003. The plot synopsis is this. Bubba Hotep tells a true story of what really became of Elvis Presley. We find Elvis, played by Bruce Campbell, as an elderly resident in an East Texas rest home who switched identities with an Elvis impersonator years before his quote-unquote death. Then missed his chance to switch back, unfortunately. Elvis teams up with Jack, played by Ozzie Davis, a fellow nursing home resident who thinks that he is actually President John F. Kennedy. And the two valiant old codgers sally forth to battle an evil Egyptian entity who has chosen this long-term care facility as his happy hunting ground. Um, so I picked this movie because I know uh, the doc and I have kind of bantered back and forth about Bubba Hotep on the show before. Um, I bought it sight unseen back in 2004. I just saw the cover. I was like, oh, my God, Bruce Campbell's playing Elvis. I need to see what the fuck this movie's about. I watched it, and it had good kind of comedic elements to it. I found out that Don Coscarelli directed it. I'm a huge fan of Phantasm, so I was really excited to see what this movie was about. And, yeah, it has comedic elements, has horror elements, but I think it also has a kind of realistic look at what happens sometimes when the elderly – get to a point where there's nobody to take care of them anymore and they kind of get dumped off at a nursing home to be left to die. And they do play on that in the movie, and that's another aspect of it that I really enjoyed, and we'll get into it. Um, so that's my thoughts on that. So I'm going to give it to the ghoul first. What did you think of Bubba Hotel? Uh, you know, this, like I said earlier, I like Bruce Campbell better in short bursts. I like it when, you know, he's got a, a bit part, except for the Evil Dead. You know, as far as him playing Ash, you know, that, for me, is always perfection. Um, as far as, like, this film goes, yeah, it's it's a solid film. I remember that, uh, you know, the, the doc, I believe, had gotten the DVD for it. Uh, this yes, it is, and you know I'm I'm sure he'll say otherwise, but this is the first time I've ever made it to the end of the movie. You know, every okay. time we watch this, we were you know either imbibing alcohol or you know smoking the devil's fucking the devil's fucking lettuce, and I'd pass the fuck out because the movie just it, it, it drags for me, especially under that kind of mindset, sure. I, I felt anyway. Um, watching it this time, yeah, I see the comedic elements to it. I see the, you know, the, the kind of serious melancholy that you get with the, uh, with the, with the older, older people and everything, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a serviceable movie. You know, I bought it on Amazon to watch it. You know, I, I might revisit it again. I might not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Monkey, what did you think about Bubba Hotel? <laughs> this is a movie that I really, really wanted to like just because the theory of Bruce Campbell playing Elvis in any way, shape, or form is something that I would fucking live for. It's like the idea of, you know, Bruce Campbell playing Elvis fighting a mummy, it's like, fuck yeah, please please give me, I, I, I need to see this movie right away. Unfortunately, 
theory did not match up with what is actually delivered. Like, I was expecting more over-the-top performances by Bruce Campbell. I was expecting a better Elvis from Bruce Campbell as far as, you know, accent, movements, that kind of stuff. It's like, while the movie's still fun and it's, you know, a fun, dark comedy, I was just expecting a better performance. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about Ozzy Davis as JFK? Mm. I thought he was fucking charming as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know he we talked a lot about Bruce, but yeah. I want to talk about Ozzy too. So. Yeah, yeah, he was a decadent motherfucker. <laughs> sure was. Um, okay, so Doc, what did you think about Bubba I think that, I don't know, I guess maybe I have the unpopular opinion here this evening, but I think that Bubba Hotep is just absolutely delightful. Uh, I, you know, we're a horror movie show, and yes, there are elements of horror here. Um, uh, I don't agree with what the monkey just said about, about needing a better Elvis. Uh, we're not talking agree, about yeah. Elvis. We're not talking about Elvis in 1956. Uh, we're talking yeah. about ancient Elvis, and you talk about movement. Like, this is a character that couldn't move, that could barely move. Uh, a mere, a mere shadow of what they want for. If you even believe, and that's that's the key here. Even if you, if you believe that he's Elvis, or yeah. is he a fucking, or is he Sebastian Half, or is he neither of those people, and he's just a crazy old fucking man that lost his marbles in the restaurant. Um, yeah. I feel though that the, the, the ghoul mentioned the melancholy. Um, and I think it's more than melancholy. What I find, what my, my favorite parts in Bubba Hotep are the scenes when it's uh, Bruce Campbell's character, uh, Elvis, Sebastian, whatever you want to call him, just kind of thinking to himself and talking to himself and looking back yeah. on his life. I feel like it's more than melancholy. Uh, I like Bubba Hotep so much because there is so much uh, this inner kind of examination and, and regret and looking back and knowing that the end is near. Um, you know, more so than, you know, the, yes, there is the general melancholy over all of the patients that we see in the rest home. But I like seeing this. You don't ever see Elvis played like this. And I like seeing Elvis played like this. And, like, knowing Elvis was such a hungry section that, like, him laying there talking about his wounded, pussing, limp dick. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know his first thought, oh, well, if Priscilla knew I was here, you know, his first question, would we fuck? Um you know, I just I just love the kind of honest pain uh, that this version of Elvis as a senior citizen that's dying with cancer uh, represents. Um, the horror elements with the mummy, they're, they're silly, um, you know, but it's a silly movie. I mean, just say the concept out loud to somebody and it's a silly movie. <laughs> yeah. And Ozzy, it was great to see Ozzy Davis in this role. Uh, Ozzy Davis yeah. is traditionally a more serious actor to see him in, 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 in this role playing playing this, this absurd character character. Uh, it was just great fun. Uh, I had heard about this movie uh, long before it had come out, and uh, had been anxiously awaiting the opportunity to see it, and I just, I guess, it's a, it's a flawed movie, it's no masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I think it's super fun, and it's just absolutely delightful, and, and I, I enjoy it every time I get a chance to see it. Yeah, and Doc, like, I don't want to say that you have the unpopular opinion because I like Bubba Hotep a lot. Like, I really do enjoy it, and I do revisit it from time to time um, because of how well it's played out. I mean, I really do enjoy this film uh, mm-hmm. just because of Bruce Campbell and Ozzy Davis playing their characters respectively in this old folks' home uh, because you have Bruce Campbell 
You know, again, yeah, like you had said about the monkey, I disagree too. I, I think that he was playing an elderly man as Elvis, you know, in his 70s or 80s, whatever age he is, you know, where he can't move like he could. He can't swing his hips around like he could back in the 50s and 60s. You know, it's the guy that is restricted to a bed for the most part with a, a cancerous dick, you know, that leaks pus and he has to, you know, get it creamed <laughs> up every now and then. We got to <laughs> do know? that little thing. Yeah, where every now and then he gets a little bit of a heart on, and it's like a pigeon having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And you know, it's I, great. I, been... I like, and I loved Ella Joyce as a nurse. I thought she just did such a great job in that role. No, she was great. She was great. Mm-hmm. All of the interactions with Bruce Campbell and her, those are like some of my, like my favorite parts of the movie. Uh, I thought their interactions were, were, were wonderful. It is. Uh, so, yeah, my first question is going to be, do you really do think that this man that we're following in this movie is Elvis? Because to me, it is. Because I know about Elvis in real life, about how he was generous to his friends, bought him cars, gave him money, but he also got tired of it at the end of his career because he felt like he didn't really have any friends. And he was always kind of searching for something more. Um, There's a great HBO documentary called Elvis Presley, The Searcher, um, which talks about that. So, to me, this is not Sebastian Happ. This is Elvis. So, I kind of wanted to get your guys' perspective. Is this an elderly man who just wants to be Elvis, or is this actually Elvis? Go ahead, fellas. I think that we're, that, that, that we're dealing with Elvis here. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the unbelievability of his tale as an old man laying in the bed, even with the glasses and the ring and the hair, and the accent and everything, uh, you know, is what is what hold, not I don't want to say holds the story together, but he's the one that has the story to tell to anyone that will listen to him. Um, and I feel that the validation for that comes when Ossie Davis, who his character obviously is certifiably insane, uh, yeah, looks at him at that one moment and is like, "I know you're Elvis." Like, <laughs> I feel like that's the moment of realization. Uh, because, like, I do and have always thought, uh, you know, with different, you know, thoughts seeping in here and there, but have always thought that, yes, uh, Bruce Campbell's character in this was actually Elvis Presley. Mm -hmm. Ghoul, what do you think? Uh, No, I believe Elvis had clearly left the building. Um, (laughs) I believe that, you know, this is a pair of complete... In basically two guys that are just in <laughs> I mean, you know, Ozzy, I don't want to say dementia, but yeah, I guess lunatics. Yeah. Because fucking Sebastian has fucking been doing this for however many years. But then again, we also know that he was in a coma for 20 years. Yes, so, yep. you know, you, you kind of don't know what the fuck his mindset was. He was obviously an right. Elvis impersonator prior but uh, I do not believe him to be Elvis any more than I believe Ozzie Davis to be fucking JFK. Um, I enjoy the fact that the two of them are both so delusional in their own delusions that they call everybody else's bullshit except mm-hmm. for their own. They're two nuts oh, yeah. in a fucking house full of nut jobs, and to themselves are completely safe. Uh, I, th- that is the dynamic that I enjoy, and I think that's what I wanted more out of this movie. Um, the monkey, like he had said, 
about, you know, when you, when you sit there and you look at this premise. And like the doc said, you explain this premise to somebody and it's just, it, it, it's fucking insanity. I wanted more of that. When you explain this premise to somebody, it sounds so much more absurd than the movie that you actually get. You know, and I and in a lot of ways, I wish that this was more. I, I hate to say this was more American Pie and less grumpy old men. Yeah, right. You know, and I, I do. I also do think that, like again, like I said, it's my thought that that Bruce Campbell is Elvis, and I feel that. In the tale, when he tells the tale of the switch, and uh, you know how how they it, how they change places, I feel like there are two clues in that story uh, when he's telling it uh, to the nurse and the daughter of his neighbor. And yeah. uh, those so hot. Goes in, I know. Yeah, he was. <laughs> uh, that was so she hot. Didn't, she didn't see me <laughs> when he's when he's looking at her skirt and he's just saying she just didn't care. She saw me <laughs> sexually threatened and it says she just, yeah. So funny. But anyway, uh, you know, and this coming from allegedly, you know, one of the most sexually virile men that have ever lived. But, um, yeah. you know, when he goes to trade places with Sebastian and goes into the room, Sebastian is cutting into the, the pie. And mm-hmm. when he comes out licking his face. When he comes out of the room, he's like cleaning the pie off. And then also he goes to like reach for the door and all his, yeah. uh, you know, all his partners there are like, whoa, 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 you know. Um, it's all you, baby. You know, I, 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 yeah, I feel like those are, uh, you know, some clues that, that lend some validity to the story that he's telling. I did, Not necessarily I didn't like that true. Scene, Hold on. Yeah. If I can, if I can yeah, actually. Go ahead. You can. I'll debate this. How would Sebastian know that that happened if that's not Sebastian getting into that car? You get what I'm saying? How if he's Elvis and he's still in that room? How does he know when fake Elvis walks out of the door that he's licking off the fucking pie from his mouth and wiping it off? How does he know that fake Elvis went to open the door and that his fucking his bodyguard had to tell him no, no, no? You know that's you know what are you doing? Yeah, no, I think that was for us. I think that was for no, us but, as an audience. Yeah, but that, I don't think that exactly was Elvis telling. No, I think that was our tell. But it's him. But it's him telling the story. So if he's telling the but, story, then that's all part of the story we're, he's we're, telling. No, but that, okay, that, that's the point. No, but that's the point though is we are hearing his story, but now we're seeing a, a scene outside of his story to validate that yeah, the switch actually did happen. Yeah, I mean, and the only thing in that scene that I really did like, other than the, the pie eating sequence, is when Elvis walks into the room. And he just stands there, and Bruce Campbell, as, as fashion half, just gets down and he's like, "Oh my God, you're really here!" And he just looks at the ring. I didn't think you would come. Yeah, hits the ring. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think you would come. Yeah. yeah, just that little nod that he gives to his hand with the ring on it, like, "Yeah, kiss it." I guess you know who I am. <laughs> you know why I'm here. You know, but yeah. I mean, you know, Ghoul, you bring up a great point. You know, but to me, I felt like that was for the audience. Is to kind of give a tell that maybe he is telling the truth. Maybe it is. You know, us seeing that with licking the pie off his fingers, going, up, oh, just another freak, boy. You know, let's go. <laughs> you know, and getting into the car, and the guy opens it up, and he's like, no, well, that's all you, baby. Like, you know, getting into the car. Like, that's us, you know, doing that. And that's why when you see Elvis putting his hand up, you know, watching the car leave, like, that's his, you know, acknowledgement of the Sebastian half leaving. Yeah. But it does lead to the argument because he says that they had a contract 
where if Elvis ever decided to go back, you have to change it, but yet you have him at a barbecue somewhere, and it gets destroyed in a propane explosion. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that's a little easy. <laughs> you know, that's a little easy way out. Uh, yeah, no, the contract got destroyed. So that's why I'm here. That's why I'm stuck. Well, that that whole scene was their entire special effects <laughs> funding right there. They said that was all of the special Yes. <laughs> but he also said. Well, but he also did say after the explosion, didn't he say that you know that he didn't really care that he was enjoying life. Yeah. He felt like himself again. You know. Yeah. So it yeah, wasn't like oh I I want to I I want to go back, but now I can't because the contract has been destroyed. Hmm. Yeah, he just didn't care. You know, he was happy living the life as he had as uh, an impersonator of Elvis. Like he was happy living that life. He didn't want to live a life where people were sucking the soul out of him. Which we'll get to because the mummy is going to come to suck souls out of people. Um, but yeah, that whole story uh, with the daughter of coming in and cleaning out Bull's bedroom and throwing away the purple heart and the pictures bedroom. and the chocolates. Um, that's why I said this movie kind of gets into it. Like where if you're an elderly person, you could just get dumped off. Like you could just get dumped off at this nursing home and you could be forgotten about. Like, Bull was yeah. a war hero. He had a purple heart. Dude, and his daughter just it happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It happens all the time. And I thought and, that they handled it really well because she said, well, I came here when I dropped them off and that was it because, you know, fucking Medicaid and all this other shit. And Elvis says, it doesn't cost anything to visit him. Like, it's free. Yeah. And she had no reaction to that because she knew that he was right. Like, you don't have to pay to visit him. You could hang out with him anytime you want, and you didn't. You dropped him off, and you forgot about him until he died. So that's why it kind of went to that whole thing about the elderly, where it's like, you know, you're forgotten about when you get to a certain age. You know, a lot of yeah. it's, it's never easy for the young to, you know, take care. It's, it's never easy for anybody just to take care of somebody. Some people are just, it's not in their fucking makeup to, yeah. to deal yeah. with that kind of stuff. But it's also never easy for the young to take care of the old, especially when the old are at a point in which they are infirmed or no longer the person that you saw them as, you know, I think it kind of becomes yeah. a disassociative type of thing in which because that person no longer resembles the one that you grew up with or, you know, you loved, you could, it makes it a little easier to kind of step away from them because they no longer are that person. Um, you know, we're kind of going through this right now with my grandfather. He's living with my mom and like I've noticed on my last couple of visits, you know, he doesn't recognize me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, now this is the same grandpa who, you know, the the diarrhea stories and all that fun stuff. Oh, yeah. um, but, you know, it, it's still kind of disheartening, you know, when every time I'm going there, I'm getting the question of, like, whose son are you? Um, when, you know, this is the same man that I lived with for years as a child, and then as a teenager, he lived with us again. Um, you know, it does, doesn't make it easy, and I give my mother all the credit in the world for being able to take care of him and, and doing yeah. everything that's necessary for him because his wife was pretty much at the point where she was having him sleep <laughs> on a piece of cardboard on a old bed spring, um, not even a box spring. You're talking like an old pull-out bed of just springs 
um, or whatever, like, you know what I mean, springs and, and wire with fucking cardboard on it, um, locking him in a room filled with her dog's shit. Uh, and birds and shit like that. Um, pretty much treating him like an animal. She she kind of like chained him to the bed as well. Um, my grandfather's diabetic. He is trouble. You know, he's a fucking lunatic. What do you expect? Um, so my mother has to lock the refrigerator because he will just go and fucking eat whatever it is that he wants, putting himself into all kinds of danger. But still, nobody should be locked and fucking chained to a bed that doesn't even have a fucking mattress and, and, and taken care of like they're a piece of shit. Yeah. Um... Um, yeah, because it's hard, like you had said, Ghoul, you know, dealing with the elderly, you know, when it gets to a certain age. Um, but I thought, like I said, again, the movie handles really well. Uh, seeing Elvis laying in bed, and you have the flashes of the janitor coming in, the nurses coming in, leaving, like, in flash forward. So this is all he has now, just laying in bed and watching all this happen. Like, his life is kind of just nearing an end, and that's all he has. There's nothing going on that kind of gives him any life, any kind of things to look forward to anymore. It's kind of leaving, you know, this world eventually, but um, what did you think about the old woman that we get introduced to that's walking the halls and stealing things from people? <laughs> like the glasses you know, off the Iron Lung woman. I do, so maybe I do, I do remember this so, so specifically. And one, before I get to this little story, uh, <laughs> is there more of a horrible contraption than you can imagine having to be in in a fucking iron lung? Um, yeah. But, uh, oh, but uh, God, I remember no. I saw I saw that for the first time in some movie in the iron lung that I saw in whatever movie I'm thinking of, but even way worse than the one in this movie. But one thing I do remember, so maybe the goal didn't make this, make it all the way to the end of this movie when we watched this long ago, but I do so specifically remember uh, that the scene when this old lady is walking the halls and she like comes over and like comforts the iron lung lady and then steals her glasses and walks away as the lady's laying there just going, no! <laughs> uh, I, I, just, I remember the ghoul laughing hysterically at that scene uh, back when we watched this for the first time. I have such a, a very crystal clear memory of, of that. Partic- and every time I see this movie, I think of it. But uh, I have a fear, I, fear and that, that scene still cracks me up. I mean, I was fucking dying watching <laughs> last night that scene. Like when she first went over, and then once I realized what she was doing, like those exact words came out of my mouth. I was like, "Holy shit, you bitch is stealing his shit!" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the trouble. Yeah, you know, just taking everything, and then she goes to a room to kind of enjoy the laurels of her steals. And yeah. you get the scare beetle for the first time. Um, which is honestly yeah, like Doc Cusgrelli. The practical effects. You know, with the scare beetle. Where you can tell it's rubber, but you don't really care. <laughs> you know, I love its head. Yeah. It's it's I love the effect of the scare beetle when the woman thinks she's defeated it. You know, I beat it to death with my cane, but nope, the head pops out. And then you get your first kind of reveal of Bubba Hotep. Uh, what did you think about the mummy? Because I thought it was a great-looking mummy with the, the hat on and the cowboy boots and, you know, really kind of Western style that this, you know, <laughs> mummy took on. Fucking Western mummy. Fuck's sake. But when I first saw this, I was like, what the fuck, you know, but then I was like, 
why the fuck not? Just right. roll with it. It's, yeah. it. it just goes with everything else in the movie. Yeah. So uh, you go watch your mommy up a hotel first time you saw it. Yeah, I mean nothing, nothing remarkable. I mean, you know, it's it's a mummy, you know, and yes, he's dressed like a fucking, like he's in the old west. <laughs> that, that's about it. I, uh, I'm not. A, I, you know what? As, as shitty and cheesy as it sounds, I kind of like either the old school mummy of him wrapped in in crappy bandages. Right. Or I liked what they did with the Brendan Fraser mummy movie, in which, you know, you kind of updated him quite a bit. And he's still scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I like the, you know, the comic effect of this mummy, you know, basically stealing clothes, you know, and wearing the hat and wearing the, you know, the, the Texas shirt, you know, the cowboy shirt, um, you know, and, and taking the old woman's soul uh, for the first time. Then you have Daniel Roebuck. And the other actor playing the female assholes. And Daniel Robot talking about death, and you wonder what this person did and everything like that. He's like, who gives a shit? <laughs> you, know, you know, perfect, you know, kind of just like, who cares? They're dead. I don't care what kind of life they live. I'm just going to put them in the fucking back of the hearse and take them to the funeral home. You know, it's kind of that great kind of comedic thing. But, um,. I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about Ozzy Davis as Jack, who thinks he's JFK. They have the one scene where he's laying face down in his room, and he has that scar on the back of his neck where he claims that's where they put a bag of sand in the back of his head after they dyed him black and threw him into a nursing home. Obviously, this guy is a neurotic. He's crazy. It's probably not JFK, but he's convinced. Like I said at the top when we started talking about this this film, I... I feel that Oscar Davis's performance is just gleeful and delightful, yep. uh, and and great to see him take on this kind of absurdist comedic role. Um, I feel that he plays his part to perfection. I absolutely just adore that his room has the Oval Office look with the blue carpet, and he has the models of Dallas, he has the models of the Dallas assassination setup. Uh, he has the red, he has the presidential phone. Uh, you know, he had all of this stuff. Uh, you know, to which in line with his batshit crazy tale uh, that, that he's telling. Uh, I feel that his, I just love his performance in this movie. Um, it's just great. And I love, I love the interactions between him and Bruce Campbell. Um, I love his explanations of the story, his translations, all of it. I just, I just think it's fun. It's just a fun performance. Mm. Uh, what did you think about Ozzy Davis playing Jack? <laughs> He definitely is, for me anyway, the highlight of the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. I just love how convinced he is that it is who he is. Um, You know, everything from the the paranoia to him explaining everything. Again, like just to say what the doc said with it, you know, the, the models in the room, everything. You know that this guy has painstakingly tried to figure out what the hell happened to him that, you know, we know that, you know, he's probably not, but he thinks that he is. So it's just a lot of fun. Definitely discolored. (laughs) Yeah. They do have that one scene where he talks about it, or he's like, you know, they put a bag of sand in the back of my head, and they dyed me this color. And even Elvis or Sebastian Ave is like, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're fucking crazy, Jack. (laughs) Not believing the story whatsoever Uh, But Monkey what did you think about Ozzy Davis as Jack 
Well, same thing here, here as everyone else. Is just he was so much fun, you know. Um, he, all the conspiracies that he had about, you know, they're they're still out to get him. You know, he he's in hiding, you know, because they, they put him there. But now they're they're coming back to finish off business, and that's why he thinks the mummy's there is because it's the government coming to get him and finish him off for good now. <laughs> Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> Uh, Jack, he's dead. That doesn't mean you can't do it. <laughs> do you guys remember the old remake? It was a it was a Broadway show, and uh, then it was a movie, and then another movie, uh, maybe in the in the late nineties, mid to late, maybe the mid nineties with Walter Matthau and Oscar I'm not Rappaport. I'm not Rappaport. Yep. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, I remember that really well. Right. Yeah, no, I I I I really like that story and I really like that that movie because Walter Matthau is one of my all time favorites. But uh, me too. Just a, just, a, just a quick aside with with as we're talking, we're specifically talking about Ossie Davis, and all I do is I just think this is a funny story. Uh, I and I had kind of in the back of my head like always dreamed of this happening one day, but it actually happened. Uh, when I was still living in New Jersey, I received a phone call on my house phone with somebody looking for Rappaport. So someone was like, hey, can I speak to Rappaport? And I got to feel it. I was like, I'm not Rappaport. Uh, I don't know why that story just popped in my head. But I, I, well, I do, because we're talking about Occupatus. But um, anyway, on with the show. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a great movie. I mean, I'm a huge fan of it. But, yeah, I thought that having Ozzy Davis in this movie kind of went a little bit of credence to it. The fact that he's enjoying the comedic element of it and enjoying playing John F. Kennedy you know, and talking about the room, like you said, obviously somebody's paying for this room. I mean, I don't know if it's him or if it's family, but yeah, to have like an Oval Office type room where you have framed photos of Jack Ruby and Lee Arby Oswald and you have the Jewish Plaza model in your, your room fantastic. compared to Elvis fantastic. who has just a bed. Elvis has nothing. <laughs> Elvis has nothing. Nothing. Not, not one thing. Uh, shitty old Elvis glasses, that's it, and a ring. Uh, yeah, yeah. His room is like I, when you walk in, it's like here, like Elvis is Elvis with nothing, and here's Jack Kennedy, who's just a crazy old bachelor old man, but lives in the fucking Oval Office. Um, <laughs> like the juxtaposition there is really funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the one thing I did like in the movie is when uh, Jack is convinced that some shit's going down uh, in this nursing home, and he's trying to convince Elvis to go with him on this as like a team. And that, like the the uh, monkey had said, you know, you're Elvis. I know you're Elvis. But when they go into the bathroom, and you see the writing on the bathroom wall, and he's like, oh, I read this book in Egyptian writing. I know hieroglyphics, and it says that you know, uh, you know, Cleopatra eats goobers and shit. (laughs) You have a mummy that's like a teenage asshole that's fucking scribbling on fucking bathroom walls, (laughs) you know. I had taken it originally as he just didn't really know what the fucking thing was. Um, And that's what I was convinced with. I was just like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. He said he read it in a book. But then later we see what his words of power are and everything. So, um, so yes, when the mummy himself starts putting up hieroglyphics that are just simple schoolyard style <laughs> insults it, uh, it, yes it, it led to complete fucking realization that he was completely translating what was written there and that Cleopatra's got a pussy <laughs> I know <laughs> I know and why am I looking at pictures on the shithouse wall <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
why would he be doing this when he has a wall? Uh, Dumping you know, out souls, like, man. Yeah, and I like the scene the of... that poops. <laughs> the fact why that... Why do go on tug it for a little while? <laughs> Elvis has the, the battle scene with the, the scatter beetle where he's doing like the Elvis, you know, kung fu move. Oh, come on, baby. You know, just, you know, let's go. You know, I got my fork. I'm, you know, we're, let's go. Yeah, it's like he's all of a sudden got this energy that he never had before where it's like, I got this now. Like, I'm going to defeat this fucking beetle. I'm going to put it in the fucking, you know, the heating fan that I have. And I now I need to convince everybody that this shit's happening. And I got ready to like again from Phantasm, not believing him at all as the the head of the house. <laughs> you got bugs, Scotland, Scotland, Scotland sound making bugs. I mean, who cares? I got a growth on my finger. You got some serious bug problems in this place. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like, I mean, obviously, I guess they could have been using it as a, a red herring, but I felt like at some point this needed to tie back to Reggie Bannister. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, when, upon seeing him, I'm like, oh, I'm like, that's Reggie Bannister. I'm like, this guy from Phantasm, you know. Uh, I had forgotten that this was directed by Coscarelli, but it just felt like you get somebody like him, you throw him in the movie, he's the head of the place. It just mm-hmm. would have made more sense to tie him into why the mummy was there. Even if he might have been like the one survivor from the bus theft or whatever, the right. people that stole the mummy. You know, like, there, there should have been some kind of connection. Mm-hmm. Monkey, you had a thought about right. this? Yeah, and I said the exact same thing last night to the king was, um, especially where we have the scene of the nurse outside smoking, and she sees some weird stuff going on in the tool shed because, you know, our, our you know, Hotep is sucking the soul out of the asshole and stuff like that, and for some reason it looks all Highlander. You know, um, is I saw that uh, director of the funeral home. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I I was thinking the director great. of the funeral home was involved with all of this in right. some way, shape, he or form. Seemed, he seemed very creepy in that scene, right? When yeah. he was out there having the cigarette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, any time that there was a disappearance going on, he also seemed very complacent and a little bit too under control for these things that were happening. Or, you know, yeah. with all of the people dying, this is what happens here, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's that, too. There's, like, we, we, are, we deal in death. Like, our, our, our visitors are not long-term visitors that come to stay with us, you know? And maybe it's just pe- people die here all the time. Maybe that, that could be a part of it also. That's good. Yeah, true, true. Um, it could be. Yeah, but then when we go back, no, I was going to say, but then when we go back to the whole toilet scene, just wanted to sit there and also bring up the whole thing about them discussing what happens to the soul. And, you know, we have this whole moment between Jack and Elvis where they talk about, you know, the mummy eats, the mummy swallows souls, and he's got to put them somewhere and talk about the how the mummy has these ghost shit and, and, sends their, and just sends their souls down the toilet. And this, yeah. and this, and this becomes a very driving force for Elvis later, because he does not want to become no. a, 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 a bullshit. But I want to talk about that too, Monkey. Now that you brought it up, is what I really do like is that they do bring it up, and I love that scene between Jack and and uh, Elvis in his room, right after they eat the candy, where he's like, "Let's get sick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's eat some candy." 
But it's you also showing dong? you that this mummy <laughs> like, is fucking lazy. You want a ding dong? You want a ding dong? <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's not. So, <laughs> my dick would be <laughs> chocolate. You know, a chocolate ding dong. Well, I guess you got, well, you I got wouldn't got ding dong. Yeah. You got ding dong, man. I guess it would be chocolate. We're glossing over a lot of the fucking snappy dialogue, man. So I just want to yeah. bring that up. But also, it's really um, good, yeah. I I did. I, I'm pretty sure the monkey saw it. Um, I just want to like cut in really quickly. I've been doing the show very much on the go this evening on my phone, and uh, my time is about coming to an end. My battery is about to end, uh, mm. so I'm going to be cutting out momentarily. I just wanted to uh, get it out here real quick. Okay. Okay. Well, you know when you go, you go. As we do in life, when you go, you go. Jeez, <laughs> couldn't even as stay we do for a Texas. whole episode, Doc. What the fuck? As we do, as we do in Texas. <laughs> we've, 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 been blessed with, we've been blessed with, you know, Texas three forever. quarters of an episode with the Doc. <laughs> yeah. Texas forever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but, uh, got the pride. Yeah. Full heart. But, but, King, what were you, what were you going to say? No, the fact that the, the mummy um, that comes to the nursing home, you know, they talk about it, uh, Jack and Elvis, about how it's a mummy that doesn't want to chase after young people. It doesn't want to have to do a lot of work. It wants to go after the elderly because they can't run, because they can't escape. So it's going to take their souls because it's a lot less work to go after the elderly than it is to go after a young person. <laughs> like, yeah, lazy fuck. This fucking mummy is just lazy as shit. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's why I was King Tatankum's lazy brother. <laughs> yeah. He'd much rather go after the elderly than he would have to go after somebody that's youthful, that could actually escape yeah. him. Let's go after the elderly, you know, which I always liked. And that's what leads to Kimusabi, you know, the weird old man who thinks he's the Lone Ranger with the cap guns, <laughs> you know, waking up <laughs> and seeing Bubba Hotep in his room. Oh, yeah, fucker. Tonto. Tonto. <laughs> you know, I wanted him to survive in the worst way because I love that character because he was so involved with his cap guns and his mask and his cowboy hat. You know, no, going he, after Boba Hotep but, and shooting I, him with his cap gun. Thinking he was actually going to do anything to this moment. Of course, the cap guns aren't going to do anything. But like Elvis said, when Kimisabi was dead, like he went down guns to blazes, you know? That's just yeah. awesome. I love it. It was such a great scene. Um, you know, what did you think? You know, he uh, was in on know, the fight. Kimasabi, Kimasabi was in on the fight. Granted, he had yeah. cap guns and was batshit insane and old and senile, but he went down guns of blazing. <laughs> but he wasn't quite Oh Well, yes. I mean, obviously he was old and senile in which he thought he was Kimasabi and, and had guns that were not real. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, but barring that, you know, he also did see... The mummy when it first came yeah. out, um, you know, we get that through that that little bit of dialogue of you know under the bridge, under the bridge. He saw him under the bridge. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. that the the mummy isn't just lazy. I think you know we're obviously it hasn't been around for too long at this point. You know, it's just waking mm-hmm. up. It's just getting started, and this is a good place to start building your power. Um, because, you know, you can sit there, they're not going to run away, he can continue to suck on souls until he's got enough power to get out and maybe do a little more damage in the world. Yes. Yeah, Monkey, what was your thought yeah. on that? Because I know you had a thought yeah. about well, the I, mummy. I, yeah, 
Well, because when we were talking last night, um, I had this theory of, okay, because the accident happened a long time ago. We had the flashback, which um, Elvis gets hit with and stuff like that, and it's an older bus. You know, it was back in the day, um, and they had talked about maybe it just had been trapped for a long time and things finally broke loose. And like the ghoul said, you know, maybe he's just starting now. And what? What the hell was that? Um, but, but um, yeah. Then I had the theory of, well, if he keeps eating, and would he regenerate, kind of like Emotep does in the Mummy movie? But then the king, the king had come back with, well, maybe if he had actually started swallowing some real souls, but right now he's not really getting enough to survive. You know, he's just getting enough just to get by. I think that's a good argument to make. Like, he's just getting enough souls so he can walk around. Like, he's not getting enough so he could become fully realized. Like, uh, Monkey, who I did last night about the mummy. You know, the, yeah, the, you know, the original yeah, 1931 like, version. Yeah, Emo set. And the kind of leaves. Yeah. <laughs> finally being fully realized. You know, he only has old souls to kind of take. So it's not enough for him to be fully powered you know, as a mummy. Like, you know, it's all he has is these old souls. Is that like exactly. torturing a kid somewhere? I don't know. I don't I'm know what major that is. feedback, too. It's, it's not me. No, it's not me. I'm outside. There's no, nothing on the feedback. Yeah, I'm hey, in my self studio. I, I got nothing. He's in the waiting room. <laughs> Check it in souls as we speak. Yep. Just just waiting for some Harry Belafonte to come on over the loudspeaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I took it as. It was just old souls. Bubba Hotep doesn't have enough power, so he's just gonna try to get what he can get. Um, right. What did you think about Elvis having a telepathic kind of connection to Bubba Hotep, the mummy, in that one scene where he's walking down the hallway? And he doesn't have anything to stop him with, but he has that moment of, oh, shit, I could see into his fucking, you know, past life of where he was, you know, grabbed and mummified against his will. I thought it was just an easy way to just tell the backstory of why he was here and whatnot. And that was just uh, Hotep telling his story to Elvis. Like, I think, I think Hotep did that to Elvis and was sending that to Elvis. It's not like they somehow had a magical telepathic link that just showed up out of nowhere. I think Hotep did that to him to tell his story. I think it's Coscarelli being cheap and lazy and just finding <laughs> yep. out a quick way to to use, you know, very, very little budget to tell us a quick fucking story that really ultimately isn't even needed. I mean, we... We, we've all seen the mummy. We all know how mummies get made. We all know that, you know, we, we know the story. You know, it's kind of like the whole Spider-Man thing. How many times do we need to see the Spider-Man origin, you know, like every fucking yeah. time? We know, guess what? Whoever Spider-Man is, he got bit by a fucking spider, and that's why he's got the powers <laughs> that he's got. It doesn't matter if it's Peter <laughs> Parker, Miles Morales, fucking Penny Parker, Spider-Gwen. They're all the same fucking tale, ultimately. So we don't need that origin. We just need that quick tale, boom, 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 telepathic link that doesn't really come up again and really isn't necessary. No, yep. yeah, I agree. I didn't really like it. I was like, okay, well, it, it, it didn't feel like it needed to be in there. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, I didn't really need to see Bubba Hotep's backstory to kind of get why he is who he is. You know, the fact that he was mummified against his wishes, you know, the fact that he was put in the position he was in. Because it, it didn't really feel like it connected to Elvis in any way. Like, it's not, okay, no. well, how do you connect it to Elvis, where he is now in this old folks' home? Well, Elvis had psychic powers, you know? Like, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. They, they, they it's like Hitler. He believed in the occult, you know? Yeah. But they did, uh, <laughs> because before he was in the nursing home, he was in the clinic, and that's when he got his telepathic powers. But, um, again, I didn't think the scene was necessary, especially because we have all of this almost immediately get retold back to us through Jack, who apparently went through a bunch of news articles and found the story anyway, and we could have just had Jack telling the story. With Which he did. The, the, yeah. No, but we could have had well, Jack. Jack, That's when we well, could Jack have had... told us the story of why the, uh, why the mummy was there. But yeah. you know how the mummy came to be is what you know what we learned from from the telepathic link. Well, because well, you also had the scene of Elvis going down to the creek and seeing the bus, you know, underneath the water of the creek, and going, "Oh shit, that's why it's here." You know, the, the, you know that's why you know that bus is in the bottom of the creek, and that's what we need to do. We need to come up with a plan to destroy the mummy for good. Um, it was such a good sequence to show the, the suiting up portion of this movie where Elvis breaks out his best suit, the sequin, you know, white suit that he has, while Jack has, you know, the suit, very prestigious, but he also has the motorized wheelchair. So yeah, like, oh, oiled he up. He wants to fight. Bring it to him. Yeah. He's got the American flag uh, pin on his lapel. <laughs> Very serious about this, you know. Let's fill up the, you know, the the tanks with gas. We're gonna get this motherfucker, you know. Like they had a plan, but also, um, this is what I also want to ask you guys: is that they're elderly, they have nothing to look forward to, but I feel like they're re-energized by this. Like it's putting life into them again, where well, they're useful, yeah. you know. Where it's like, yeah, you know, we have a purpose, we have a mission. We're gonna take this mummy down. So all of a sudden, well, now they have a whole a new on. energy. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, with the nurse, Mister Hash. He's like, oh, come on, baby, you want to run it? <laughs> you know, he's just—he's happy again. Like it's giving them purpose where they didn't have any purpose anymore. Um, so I, that's why I wanted to ask you guys about. Did you feel like they were re-energized again? Like they were feeling youthful? Like they could actually do kill this mummy? Absolutely. Absolutely felt energized. Go ahead, Ghoul. Sorry. No, I, no, I agree with that. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if they felt like they could kill the mummy. I mean, obviously, I guess they believed they could, which is why they, they were hatching the plan. I think they knew they had to. Um, but more importantly, again, they did. They had a purpose. They had a reason to exist. They weren't just laying in bed doing nothing. And I think this is, you know, one of the, the deeper portions of the film, you know, where yeah. they, they – show that, you know, a lot of people, they end up surviving longer because they have, you know, something to do. My great-grandmother lived until she was 87 years old, up until she was probably around 80. She still went to New York every day, you know, to her seamstress shop to work. Um, It wasn't until she, you know, she got sick that she she really couldn't, and then, you know, got to a point where she couldn't take care of herself. Um, 
after that, you know, she ended up uh, having to come live with us for, for a number of years. But she was always going to work. She was always doing her thing. She was always busy. You know, the other thing mm-hmm. you find with that is when you have two people that have been together for a long period of time in which, you know, they have each other, which is what helps keep them alive. And that's why after, you know, one of the partners dies, it's shortly thereafter that the, the other one follows. Yeah. But, yeah, but they de- um, but they definitely felt energized because you have that line where Elvis says, "Yeah, the you know the walker feels lighter. I feel like I don't need the walker as much. You know, you know he he drops those couple of lines where you know he's starting to feel youthful a little bit again. And his yeah. dick got hard. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and yeah his dick got hard. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was it was brief, but it was there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I, I told, told the, like I told the ghoul girl, man. My biggest fear, honestly, you know, and uh, I'll give her response, of course, too, would be having somebody as hot as that dude's daughter, like right there in front of me, and not being able to be fucking aroused by it. You know, that that's fucking horrifying. You know, at which point she agreed, but then also reminded me that you know she is also my girlfriend and not just my buddy, and that's not the kind of thing you're supposed to say to your girlfriend. Um, no, not at all. Um, but going back to what you were saying about, you know, your grandfather and your grandmother, um, both my grandfathers are still alive. Um, you know, they're getting up there in age. Uh, my one grandfather, my father's side is in Florida. Uh, my mother's father, my grandfather is in New Jersey. I talk to them, you know, maybe once a month. Um, and at least I try to. But, you know, they, they were larger than life figures for me growing up, especially my mother's father. You know, um, really larger than life figures. But now in their older ages, they don't really have anything to look forward to anymore. Like my grandfather on my mother's side sits at home all day. Like he has nothing, you know, he just watches TV and goes to bed. But to me, he's always going to be like this larger than life person. But, you know, I think about that a lot, you know, about how he is kind of like Sebastian Half or Elvis, whoever you want to think of him as, is uh, somebody that doesn't have anything to look forward to anymore. But you would think that if he had something like this, maybe he would be energized. You know, he would get off the chair and he would, you know, fight this evil and, and overconquer it, you know. And it's one of the, that's why, like I said, this movie kind of, you know, was a little bit of emotional to me towards the end, you know, especially with Jack uh, as they face off against Bubba Hotep and he's knocked off his wheelchair and he dies of a heart attack, um, you know, saying the president is dead. And it's up to Elvis now to defeat this mummy. Like, you know, it's, it's up to me now. And that's all I have. So I'm going to take care of this business right now. TCB, baby. I would, have, I would have preferred a line like Camelot is down, you know, or something to that effect. Um, just that would have been the whole, good. you know, the, the JFK the thing. thing. Yeah. The, you know, considering, I don't know, again, I guess I was just expecting different from how this ended. Um, one, I really didn't think that they were going to fucking die. That was kind of a drag. But, two, you know, we watched we watched at one point the mummy walk through a door. Like, he yeah. phased through a door because he was intangible. Mm-hmm. Yet the same mummy is damaged by fire. Now, you also have the scene, though, where Elvis, when he was talking about the uh, the contract, you know, he fucked up with the, the lighter fluid when he was barbecuing, yeah. and that's how, mm-hmm. you know, the contract ended up getting fucked up. Um, 
I figured that that was going to come back into play somehow. Like, here it is. Once again, he's got to deal with, you know, with something ignitable, meaning the liquids that he was using. And mm-hmm. it, it never did. And that, I guess, you know, yeah, I figured he was going to fuck up or, or something, you know, or the fuck up was what was going to lead to them killing the mummy. Um, but, yeah. you know, that, again, never, never came to play. So, Cause and I was guys... Yeah, I was, yeah, I was gonna say, monkey. Did you guys think that was the end of Bubba Hotep the first time, where he lights him up with the lighter fluid and he goes, "Sorry, baby," you know, lights him up, and all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, he's on fire," you know, and that's gonna be the end of Bubba Hotep. Like, did you think that was no. the victory that they wanted, or did you feel like, no, that's not enough? No, it was too quick. It was too quick, man. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> but but we did have a Burning Man. Woo-hoo! <laughs> yeah. It was a good burning effect. It was. Um, but it was kind of, like I said, it was kind of sad to see Jack uh, in the way that he was, where it's, you know, he's gone. But at the same time, you kind of feel good in a way. Like, you know, you don't have to deal with this anymore. Like, you don't have to deal with this mummy. You can go off and, and be, you know, in the afterlife. Like, you know, you're fine. You know, the president's done. Leads on yeah, to Elvis having face off. Yeah, but now Elvis is stuck having to fight this motherfucker by himself. And the only thing he's got is, uh, you know, the, their makeshift flamethrower and a wheelchair that apparently has just <laughs> done a bunch of cocaine. <laughs> you know? and, yep. And you get the classic Bruce Campbell, hoo, 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 like, you know, the noises that he makes when he's just being tossed around, same Raimi yeah. style, you know, on the, the yeah. wheelchair. I felt a lot of this. You know, just throughout, you know, it felt like a Sam Raimi movie. Um, a lot of the the, yeah. the way it was filmed, like there was just a, mm-hmm. a lot of little things, and maybe that had something to do with Bruce. Um, you know, I don't feel like Coscarelli did any of that stuff with um, with the Phantasm movies or anything like that. So, no, no, no. Uh, I don't know if that was Bruce saying, you know, like, hey, listen, like this has worked before. Uh, why don't we, uh, you know, do it again or or what? But I don't know. I, it was likable. You know what I mean? It's not something I'm complaining yeah. about. I definitely enjoyed it. It just yeah. uh, it just surprised me how much it reminded me of him. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree with you completely, especially in the ending, you know, with him facing off against uh, Bubba Hotep, that it definitely felt evil dead in a lot of ways. Like Sam Raimi could have directed this sequence with Bruce facing up against this mummy, um, especially when he lands off the cliff, you know, the, the landing, whatever it is, what you want to call it, into the creek with the Bahotep, where he finally just gets the upper hand in a way against the mummy, where he's obviously mortally wounded because you could see the rib cage sticking out of his stomach. You know, it's not going to be something that he's going to be able to recover from, but he can still fight because his soul, his soul is still his, baby. He's not going <laughs> to let him take his soul. Well, and, <laughs> you know. and, and what the ghoul just said about the, lighter fluid fucking up and stuff like that. That's actually what we do get cool is because he goes to reach for the, the flamethrower and goes to reach for the pump and the top of the pump just comes off and then all yep. of the and all of the um rubbing alcohol and gasoline fluid just, just pouring comes out. out. This is true. Yep. This is true. Yeah. But he's still gonna do it. He's still he knows what he has to do. You know, luckily, and I guess, and I guess the president's words of power are what weakened him enough this time to allow for the uh, <laughs> the, the fire to work. Yeah, yeah which is weird, because it didn't work the first time. 
But apparently the second time it works enough so that Bubba Hotep is completely overtaken by fire into the creek, you know, and just collapses into a mess. But that was the one thing that we did gloss over, Ghoul, is the fact that Bubba Hotep could throw Egyptian words at him. You know, like, eat Anubis' dog dick, you bitch. You know? You get the reason. It was funny. Like I said, you know, it was during those scenes that that happened that I was like, holy shit, JFK, you know, the the president actually did know what was being said in that toilet (laughs) stall. But it's, um, I mean, I don't know what you guys thought. I mean, I told the monkey about this last night. I did have a moment of, like, uh, I started to get a little misty-eyed with Elvis laying on the ground saying, you're not going to get my soul. My soul is still mine. And then you have the stars aligning in the sky to make the uh, hieroglyphic of all is well. Like, it's, you can go now. Like, you can, you know, you can die. Like, it's fine. Like, everything that you've been through doesn't matter anymore. You can go. And to me, like, I was like, oh, nope, I'm not going to cry. Like, I was like, nope, not going to cry through this. But, yeah, I got a little misty eyes. Oh, you big baby. I do. I mean, just the fact that it doesn't matter anymore. Everything that you've been through, everything that you've done, it's over. Like, you can go now. Like, you you know, and that's why he said, thank you. Thank you very much. Like, you know, the last dying words of the king of rock and roll. Um, I mean, I don't know what you guys thought about that, but it definitely was like, "Eh," you know. Really kind of a thoughtful moment. I was not expecting a death. I really wasn't. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we can, we could surmise that that death did not happen. Because originally, if, you know, you watch after the credits, it talks about how the king will return. They were talking up until a number of years ago to have a, you know, a, a return of the character. It was going well, to be a have been a prequel. I thought yeah, it was going to yeah. be a prequel. But how? He was in a fucking coma for 20 years. No, it was going to be a prequel. And it was going to be yeah. uh, you know, Bubba Hotep versus the She-Vampires. Yeah, uh, oh, I thought yeah. they were bringing Elvis back. No, that's I who bet. they were going to bring back. They were going to bring out the king. Yeah, because they were going to bring back a, a new story. Yeah, um, it, was a, it was originally going to be called Bubba Nosferatu. Yeah, Bubba Nosferatu mm-hmm. versus the She-Vampires. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they were going to make it. Uh, Bruce Campbell, after a couple of years, said, I'm kind of out. Like, if we're not going to make this movie, I'm going to move on. Um, then they were talking then, Ron Perlman. As Elvis. And Paul Giamatti playing Colonel Parker, his manager. Would have been funny. Um, Would have been great. Um, but I think, I don't know if it was 2016 or 2017, there actually was a comic book run of Bubba Nosferatu versus the She Vampires that got made. I can't oh, remember how many years. But there was a comic oh. book run. Oh, okay. So they did bad? in comic book form do that movie. Um, but I, I thought it would have been cool to see. I don't know if I want Ron Perlman to play Elvis. I just can't see it. But um, He's too damn big. Oh, I, I love Ron Perlman, man. You know, I love anything that he's in. I love what he just brings to every role that he's in. You know, it's just always that that sly, underhanded comedy. He's got that big gorilla face. You just want to <laughs> hug the guy and, and, and figure that he's probably going to eat you at the same time, you know? He's at Mission Moscow Police Academy. Hmm? Huh? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I mean, that was my first exposure to Ron Perlman, so... You know, mm. Mission to Moscow. 
Um, but yeah, I, just, I can't imagine anybody playing that character other than Bruce. I yeah. thought he was just so good. Like, if you're going to have the king of B-movies play the king of rock and roll, like, you have it. Um, I know Kurt Russell played him in the John Carpenter film, but, yeah, no. You know, Bruce Campbell is my Elvis. The, the Kurt Russell was, was good, and also, it's like, I got to admit that I enjoyed Kurt Russell again, along with Ke- Kevin Costner in 3,000 Miles of Graceland. Yeah, yeah, that one, too. Um, and I think it was actually Kurt Russell that was in Forrest Gump. Playing, uh, Val Kilmer. Uh, Val Kilmer did a good job as Elvis. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. I think it was actually Kurt Russell that was in Forrest Gump when they were talking about the movements, about how he learned his dance moves from Forrest. You know, I have to mm-hmm. look that up, but I think it was actually Kurt Russell that was doing the motion capture for Elvis in that book. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> that's sort of Walt well, Disney's I mean. last words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kurt Russell. So next week, Monkey, the pick is on you. So what do you have for us? Monkey. It's my pick. Yep. And let's see here. And I'm thinking we're going to go a little bit science fiction. We're going to go to the future of 2019. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Where we will be covering The Running Man. Schwarzenegger. Silent. Sure. I'm not sure about this now. <laughs> wow. I'm just surprised, man. Like, you know, The Running Man. Okay, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Richard Dawson from Family Feud. No, 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 not Richard Dawson, because after he's done with this, Bruce Campbell's going to host The Running Man, all right? Because (laughs) it's a game show host. Well, we have Richard Dawson in the movie, right? Wait, but what is Richard Dawson? Host of The Family Feud back in the 70s, and also the host of The Running Man. You were supposed to say game show host, because you've only said it like a thousand times tonight, but okay. (laughs) Never mind. Listen, I like game show hosts, all right? I set, I set up the fucking pins, and you didn't knock them down. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, no. As the we've learned, I am not good at doing that. <laughs> I am not good at segways. I'm not good at knocking down pins. We've, we've acknowledged this. Ad nauseum. You can't, you can't even put the lime in the coconut. I can't, because I can't shake it all up. I can't. I don't know how to do it. All right? I'm not but afraid your milkshake does bring all the boys to the yard. And they're like, it's better than yours. I keep saying that, and nobody <laughs> believes me. <laughs> but, uh, Mucky, I think The Running Man is going to be fun. Um, looking forward to it. Like I told you the other night, I haven't seen it in years. So I'm looking forward to seeing if it holds up uh, since I watched it, man, I like sixth grade, seventh grade, I think. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Well, see, it was probably around the same time that you watched Total Recall, so. Get those people some air. I'm not going to fire on helpless civilians. I'm the running man. As long as he runs and as long as there's a man in it, I'll enjoy it. All right, so, Monkey, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off for tonight? All right, I'm your furry little horror host, the Mad Monkey, saying thanks for listening and let me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. Excellent. All right. Ghoul, why don't you hit us with a plug, and we will sign ourselves off. 
I got some double plugs tonight, man. Um, Ooh, double so plugs. Double plug. plug. Foremost, double plugs. I'm DPing y'all. Um, <laughs> get a D. There's nothing, be- double there's nothing better than a good DP. Man, so, double. my first one is is this weekend, uh, January 12th at 7 p.m., the Theater of Terror is premiering. We are talking the full anthology, and that will be held at the Landmark Lowe's Jersey Theater, uh, address of 54, uh, 54 Journal Square Plaza in, in, in Jersey City. Jersey City. Um, um, come on out. Come on out. Check out the films with us all, man. Uh, you know, the, plenty of the actors are going to be there. There's going to be a red carpet. Um, I know some of the guys are going across the street afterwards to hit up the bar. Come mingle, come hang out, come watch some cool independent horror. I'm in it. It's going to be fun to see myself on a big fucking screen. Um, you know, that that's just kind of got me all kinds of hard and excited. I might be sitting there fucking pleasing myself in the back of the theater just looking at myself. Um, Tugging on it. Touched. <laughs> I'm touching myself while watching myself get touched, which is just fucking whacked. Um, so you're like, going to be there. You're talking... It's like Inception shit, man. Uh, yeah, no, like... definitely. Uh, yeah. I've got a busy weekend ahead. I'm going to see the fucking Lion That's... King on Broadway and, on Friday, and then I'm going That's to awesome. go see this premiere on Saturday. So wow. that, that was plug number one. Plug number two is, do you know what's coming up next month, fellas? Game show host? JFK Day? Side game show host. <laughs> Side JFK Day. Yes, pre- President's Day is next next month. But there's also a very special holiday for the lovely lady or man or animal in your life. V-Day. Does it involve V-Day? I don't mean, I don't mean <laughs> venereal diseases. I mean Valentine's Day, everybody. Dun, dun, dun. Did you buy your loved one something yet? You probably didn't. You probably took too fucking long. You didn't order shit. Christmas just happened. You're like, oh, my God, I fucking bought all these Hanukkah presents. How in God's name am I ever going to get something for my, 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 my beloved? Well, go to Bonfire Beat Designs. She's got a page on Etsy, all one word, all together, Bonfire Beat Designs. And she's got all kinds of shit that you can go on there. You can buy. She's got rings. She's got necklaces. She's got all kinds of handcrafted jewelry. It's really cool stuff. Paige has been fucking busy as hell lately. Um, so, so people are hearing this or seeing this or in getting out there and, and getting stuff. So we thank you all for that. Um, and tell your friends. Tell your wives, tell, hide your children, hide your wives. No, no, wrong, wrong person, man. Uh, don't hide anybody. Ripping them really up. You. Like Etsy, man. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Cool. Take us out, as you always do every episode. Stay scared, please. Stay scared. Stay scared, as always. And once again, thank you so much to everybody that supports our podcast. Each and every week, everybody that goes on to the Instagram page of Talking Terror, everybody that goes on to the Facebook page of Talking Terror. We love you. We love you so fucking much. Tia Radke, Evisceration, Dustin Fallon, uh, Horror and Sons. You know what? We love, fucking love you guys and keep up the support. That's all we ask. Just do a little bit of sharing, a little bit of love. That's all we ask for. So, you know what? I'm your old pal, the King Horror Andy G, saying keep America strong, watch horror movies. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your weekend. And if you want an autograph, the ghoul just told you where to go. So just do it. He'll give you free autographs and maybe a hand job in the parking lot after, if you're lucky. 
hey, listen, no, man, we, you know, I'm not that kind of supporter. You know, supporting the podcast is kind of like being an athletic supporter, but a little cooler. It is. It really is. Uh, so until next week, meet, we'll be talking about the running man next week with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Keep it going, guys. Enjoy your weekend. Peace.